Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. first thousand years of Jewish history, prayer was a, a, a loan, was a, solar, was a soul project. It was something that you did personally and privately and individually. So even though the rabbis felt that they had no choice and they had to institutionalize the prayers, but the Talmudic rabbis, each one would make their own prayer, would pr- end with their own prayer, their own words. And that's how we conclude the prayers, Alakai Nitzar. It's after the formal prayer, after the 18 blessings, and today the 19 blessings, we finish off with a personal prayer. This is one of the personal prayers that the rabbis would say at the end of the Shemun Esri. So we say it here at the end of the miniature Shemun Esri that we start off the morning with. And what's the prayer that we say? May it be your will. And this is a common expression in prayer that was the expression in the, in the last blessing. It also started out with the He dots and it should be a will. That's what prayer does. Prayer, we create a new will. If we need a new will, we ask Hashem to form a new will, to channel a new will. Ratzon comes from the word, if you turn the letters around, Tzinar, becomes like a channel. We ask Hashem to emanate from Himself a new will. If you have to need a new will, let it be a new will. My God and the God of my fathers. Why are we saying both? So Baal Shem Tov explains because there is an advantage to my personal God and there is an advantage to the God of my fathers. The God of my fathers is the faith and the tradition that we receive from our parents. That we as Jews has been handed down to us from parent to child to son and to, to, to to the next generation. And this faith, in a way, is unshakable. It's a tradition. I received it in my youth. I received it. This is my foundation. This is my cornerstone. This is my first impression as a child. And I hold on to it. And it won't change. You know, this is the foundation for my life. This is what my life is based on. It doesn't change. So it's solid. It's been around 3,800 years, and it's solid going strong the limitation of faith of my father is that unless the faith engages me personally it's a little too fuzzy it's a little too vague it's a little too nebulous won't necessarily affect me personally and deeply to change my behavior it's not enough yes I have faith but I don't fully understand the faith it's not a personal relationship with Hashem so there comes in the, the advantage of personal relationship with Hashem. My God, not only the God of my fathers, but my personal God, that I developed a personal relationship with Hashem, I have an understanding that has a tremendous advantage. The disadvantage is that it's on shaky ground. You know, today I feel it, and today I understand it. And what if so tomorrow I don't understand it and someone comes and challenges it? It's easily blown away. It hasn't withstood the test of time. The faith of my fathers, as in Fiddler on the Roof, tradition, that no wind in the world is going is to blow that over. 
this is a faith that's so deeply rooted, that's so powerful, that's so profound, and nothing is going to blow it away, nothing can change it. It has a foundation, it's so deeply rooted, 3,800 years old. We stood the test of time. It's not a passing, it's not new age, it's not a fad, a passing fad, you know, it's the flavor of the moment, and I like it. It's, it's, it's real. So here we have the best of both worlds. We say, Hashem Elokai, Belekei Avesai. God is both my personal God, but He's also the God of my fathers. I have that unshakable, unchanging, unyielding, unbudging tradition. Whether I understand or I don't understand. My approach to Hashem has to be ultimately, whether I understand or I don't understand, this is the way it is. You like it or not, don't like it, this is the way it is. I don't change, I'm not budging. It's comfortable, it's convenient, it's not convenient, it's painful, this is the way it is, period. It doesn't change. But it also has the advantage of a lakai. It's deeply personal. It's warm. It's, 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 it's alive. It's loving. Okay, so that's, we start, that's the prayer. And then we say, Save me today. And all day, not only during the day, even during the night, 24 hours. And every day of my life. From insolent men. Save me from impudence. And this refers to Specifically, Amalek, the negative energy of Amalek. Amalek knows that he's a low life. There are people who are negative, but at least they stand for something. They represent something. They represent a philosophy. They represent a, uh, an ideal, even if it's wrong. But they represent something. They have a content. They have an argument. A crooked argument. But they represent something. Then you have a low life. A low life, all he has going for him is what? Pure chutzpah. He knows he has no content. No, stands for nothing. Is just coarse, crass. But all he has is chutzpah. Pure chutzpah. And you know, people get intimidated by chutzpah. Pure chutzpah. It's like a mafia. For thousands of years, everyone knew what marriage is, what, a rela- what marriage is. Any society that wants to survive, it's basic survival. Life and death, existence itself. This is the atom of existence. But the chutzpah, the mafia, suddenly intimidates everyone. Anyone who dares stand up for family values, for the value of the family, for the eternal value, value of the family, which is the atom of society, of creation, of existence. Any society that doesn't, doesn't promulgate the family falls apart, disintegrates. Look at Rome and Greece. Any society that, promul- that attacked the nuclear family, as the Torah says, man and woman, it's the end of that society. It's totally self-destructive and financially and physically in every sense of the word. There is no future. It's a dead end, literally. Instead of society defending its most basic, essential need, the most important job that we have as humans to continue the next generation. And instead, society has become completely intimidated by the mafia. By Amalek, pure Amalek, pure evil. That disguises itself in love and kindness. Oh, it's so loving and so kind. 
it's bereft of kindness, it's, it's cruelty, it's the ultimate cruelty, the antithesis of kindness. And they know it. But this is a mulling, pure chutzpah and arrogance. And everyone gets intimidated. And they start intimidating all the rabbis and intimidating everyone. Suddenly it becomes a crusade and a lifestyle and, a, and a, God forbid, an alternative. When the Torah couldn't have been clearer what the Torah thinks about it. You can't confuse it. It's so clear. But this is the power of chutzpah. So we ask Hashem, save me from these chutzpah from Azipanim, from these people who have no shame in their life. Not only have no shame, they, they, all they have is pure chutzpah and arrogance, coarseness, crassness, the ultimate bums and lowlifes, insolence. And save me from impudence to others, from a wicked man, a mean person. In this, in this prayer, we're praying more for physical things. In the previous prayer, we're asking Hashem to help me custom myself to Torah and to mitzvot and from the evil inclination. This is all from within. The, the difficulties that we have from within. Here, we're praying to Hashem to save me from the difficulties and the challenges we have from without. From evil people. Wicked people. People who gossip and slander. Who are fake and treacherous who are filled with envy and hatred, negative people, negative energy. And then he says, Mechavira. doesn't say a wicked friend. He says a bad friend, meaning it could be that the friend is a good friend. He's not a wicked person. He's a kind person. But A, he doesn't share my values. But also, you have certain situations where maybe for my friend, he is okay. For him, it's good. But for me, it wouldn't be good. And therefore, it's not good for us to be friends. For example, Maimonides says that a person should always follow the middle path. Always follow the middle path. However, there are exceptions. What if I went to the other extreme? Then the only way to bend me back into shape is I have to go back to the other extreme. In other words, the middle path is good for most people. But what if I was addicted or my character, or I have the extreme character? I'm extremely stingy. So for me, it's not enough. For that person, it's not enough just to go the middle path. He has to go to the other extreme. He has to become extremely generous. So I can't hang out with a regular person who's just middle of the road. Because for him, he's a good person. He's not a, he doesn't say, Russia, a wicked friend. He's not a wicked friend. He's a good person. But for me, it's bad. His path is not good for me. I need the other extreme till I, till I straighten myself out. Oh, for example, it says you're allowed to lend with interest to a non-Jew. There's no problem with interest. There's nothing immoral about interest. On the contrary, it makes no sense why a Jew doesn't take interest from a fellow Jew. When you lend out money, if I lend you $100 and a month or a year later you return me, you return me the $100, I lost money. You didn't give me back $100 because that $100 I could have invested. So today I would have had much more than $100. So what's the difference if I rent you out my house, I rent you out my car, my tools, I can charge money. 
And if I rent out my money, it's also a value. I'm taking it out of circulation. Right now, this money could have been in the stock market. I could have, I could have made money. And instead, I'm giving you the money. I lost money. What are you giving me, $100? It's like you're giving me back $90 or $80 or $50. I lost money. Why shouldn't I be able to lend an interest? All those who slander the Jewish people, oh, they're a bunch of Shylocks, they, they lend money with interest to non-Jews. Why shouldn't they lend that? There's nothing wrong with lending with interest. It makes no sense why a Jew doesn't take interest from a fellow Jew. That's a separate mitzvah, the Torah says, because Jews are like brothers to each other and sisters and family. So we treat each other differently. There the Torah says, if someone needs a loan, give him an interest-free loan. But the idea of lending with interest, not only is it permissible, according to Maimonides, it's a mitzvah. So to lend out for a non-Jew with interest is a mitzvah. Nevertheless, there's an exception. A person who has, like, addicted to gambling, a person who has a problem with lending out the interest to Jews, this is one mitzvah where he has, this is Achilles' heels, he has a weak spot. So for his case, we tell him, you're not allowed to lend out the interest under all circumstances, even to a non-Jew. Because you have a problem with lending out the interest. You can't deal with it. So we have to teach you and train you to go to the other extreme. So someone like that shouldn't hang out with someone who's lending out with interest. The one other Jew is lending out with interest. He's not doing anything wrong. But for me, he's a chavera. Because what I need in my life, at this time in my life, I need to go to the other extreme. Or as the Talmud says, a person should say, really, I want to eat pig. But what can I do? My father in heaven doesn't let me. We're talking about those mitzvot that transcend logic. Don't mix milk and meat. Don't mix uh, wool and linen. It's not a, there's nothing immoral. What's immoral about mixing uh, milk and meat? Milk is kosher and meat is kosher. And both glad kosher. But God says, don't mix it. You can eat it separately, but don't mix it. Wool and linen, don't mix it. Don't eat pig. It has one kosher sign. So, I, there's nothing immoral. If, of course, a Jew is not allowed to say, I want to steal. But what can I do? My father in heaven doesn't let me. No, that, that's a bum. That's a rasha. A person should be disgusted by stealing. A person should be disgusted by murder. A person should be disgusted by slandering and lying and cheating and, and, and hurting another person and shaming another person. But things that are divine mitzvot that transcend logic the Talmud says a Jew should say I would rather eat pig what can I do? my father in heaven doesn't let me so the Magad of Mizrich the holy Magad of Mizrich Rabbi Dober qualifies that statement he says this is only true of a tzaddik who never sinned but a baltruva who ate non-kosher food he's not allowed to say and I really want to eat non-kosher. I would love to eat non-kosher. But what can I do? My Father in Heaven doesn't let me. Because the temptation is too strong. He ate non-kosher. And he knows the temptation. He has to run away from it like running away from fire. Like running away from poison, from danger. See, he cannot say, I want to, but what can I do? He say, no, I don't want to. I despise eating non-kosher. So for the person... He can say, I want to eat non-kosher. What can I do? Hashem doesn't let me. For him, it's not a bad path. But for me, it could be a bad path. So I can't hang out with him. I'm not in the same same place in life. I need something else in my life. That's what he calls a chavera. For me, it's bad. 
this chaver, this friendship, for me, this friendship it doesn't work for me. For me, it's a bad friendship because he's in a different place. He is where he needs to be, and there's nothing wrong. But where I need to be, I need to be in a different place. I have to hang out other friends. Mishachanam from a bad neighbor. Because even a bad neighbor could influence us. Look at the coronavirus, right? Even a neighbor could affect you. You have to be quarantined. Just being a neighbor to someone bad, even it could affect you negatively. Just being in the vicinity, in the environment. You have to choose your neighbors. Neighbors have an effect on us. The neighborhood that we live in has an effect on us. The environment has an effect on us. We're not oblivious. We are social creatures. We are affected. And if you live amongst bad neighbors, they will have a negative influence on you. Because we are influenced. We don't know who's doing the influencing. <laughs> someone is going to be doing the influencing and someone is going to be doing, being, being influenced. So you're just as likely that your neighbor will be doing the influencing and you will be influenced in a negative way. So we ask Hashem, save me from a bad neighbor. Or from an evil occurrence. Things that just happen beyond our control. From an evil eye. Evil eye is a negative energy. People look at us negatively. Either people are jealous of us. God blesses someone. It's very important not to flaunt it. Because you're, making, you're arousing jealousy. Everyone around you is jealous of you. Why, why does he deserve? He's not such a great person. Why does he deserve all this blessing? I wasn't given all this blessing. And you become an accuser against him. We are judged every moment in heaven. So now he's adding his voice. And his voice now becomes an accuser against you in heaven. He's accusing, why does this person deserve all of this? And it's a good question. There's no good answer to that. So don't flaunt and arouse that evil eye, that negative eye. So we ask Hashem, save me from an evil eye. It's a negative energy. Eye in horror. person looks negatively at us, it, 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 it can harm us. Miloshen horror. From evil tongue, malicious tongue. People speak badly about us. That's the nature of Lashen horror. It says Lashon Hara kills three people. Some say it means the one who speaks, obviously. The audience, the one who's receiving the Lashon Hara. You can just walk away. You don't walk away. You're entertained by the Lashon Hara. You like the juicy gossip. And some say the one who thought of the Lashon Hara. The one who created the story. You know, who thought of the story. The author of the story. But others say what it means is the one who's being spoken of. He's killed by the Lashon. The question is why? He's a victim. He's the victim. They're speaking, they're slandering him. He's not even present. There's a speaker, there's an audience. Why should he be punished? Why does he lose his life? The answer is because that's the nature of speech. The nature of speech is that speech reveals what's hidden. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're feeling. I can know that you're lost in thought. I can know that you're thinking. I don't know the content. When you speak, you're sharing, you're communicating. Now I know what's going on inside of you, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. That's the nature of speech. It reveals. So too, every person, every one of us has positive qualities and has negative qualities. The question is, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to highlight? When I speak negatively about another person, even if he's not present, the mere fact that I am speaking about the other person, negatively, that itself evokes and brings out to the surface all the hidden negativity now comes out into the open. 
So now the person has to struggle with all these negative qualities. A person, we're all born with negative qualities. We're all born with latent, hidden, just like we all have cancer within us. We all have all these negative bacteria within us. It's all part of life, but we can go through our whole life and it'll be latent, it'll be hidden, it'll never, it'll never come to the surface. But the fact that you're speaking about him negatively, that itself cultivates and develops and highlights and shines a light and brings out all that negativity out to the open. And now suddenly the person has to struggle with all this negative energy. Yes, he is a victim. But you can't help it. This is the result of Lashon Hara. This is the power of Lashon Hara. So we ask Hashem, please save me from Lashon It's not out of my control. Save me from slander. From evil people gossip and slander. are going to slander me and speak negatively about me. Mimalshinas, false testimony, fake news, slander. Me'eder Sheker, false testimony. You come to court and, and it's false testimony. People are twisting, telling half-truths, not telling the full story, fake news. Misinas habrias, from men's hate. Me'alila, from false charges. Mimisa Mishuna, from unnatural death. And spiritual death is even worse than physical death. Unnatural death, when we sin, we do things that, that we can die a spiritual death. Mechaloyim royim, from harsh diseases. You know, we are a miracle. We are constantly bombarded with poisonous bacteria. And, and it's a miracle that we're, not only it's a miracle that we're alive, it's a miracle that we're he- well and healthy. So we ask Hashem to protect us from harsh diseases, from misfortune, and from a destructive adversary. Talmud says that Satan in heaven, Satan is really, whatever he does is for the sake of heaven. He's also an angel. He's also serving Hashem. That is his job. His job is to test us. Like the king that wanted to test his prince. So the king sets up the prince and hires the most gorgeous prostitute in his kingdom. And pays her to seduce the prince to see if the prince will fall fall for her. He wants to test. So of course she has to do her job. She can't play games. She has to go all out. She does. She's very faithful. She does all. She goes all out. It appears to be that she's the enemy. She's trying to ruin the prince, destroy the prince, his reputation, and ruin him. But the truth is, she's doing her job. She's working for the king. And she's praying inside, please don't fall for me. <laughs> while she's seducing him with all the wiles, she's praying, and please show your strength, show your courage, show, you know, it's a test. Just praying, please prove, prove that you're worthy, prove that you're the king's son, prove that you're the prince, that you're royal, you're acting royal. You're... So really the Satan has in mind L'shem Shemayim. Whatever he's doing, he's also an angel. He's also, that's a, he's doing his job. The Satan doesn't have a Yetzirah. The Satan doesn't have an evil inclination. He is doing his job. He's doing it very well. But then there's Satan Hamashris. Is when the way this, the form of the Satan, when it comes into this world, it's Mashris. It's, it's destructive. It's, it's vindictive. It's nasty. It's harsh. It's bitter. And the certain sins, certain sins that the Torah uses the word, la hashchis, hashchis kalbasa, 
like sexual sin and moral sin. Hishchis kalbasa. It's a sin that they destroyed, which evokes this wrath, this type of stinging, biting adversary that is out to destroy. It's not just a punishment. It's, a, it's out to destroy you. Because, as the Talmud says, who are Yetzirah, who are Satan, who are Malach HaMavis. It's all one. First, it comes in the form of Yetzirah. First, the Yetzirah comes to seduce you, sell you Madison Avenue hype, a bill of goods. Oh, it's so much fun, sin. And then the Satan himself goes up and becomes your Satan. He goes up and now he becomes your accuser. And then he becomes that harsh punishment. The angel of death, the ultimate. And even before that, is to destroy you, to, to ruin you. To, it becomes very nasty and, and because it's all a result of our sin. And what type of sin? These are the consequences. You reap what you sow. So please, Hashem, save me from Satan Hamashchis. Because this is all what's going to lead to. When you sin, this is what you end up. Now this is a unique blessing. The other blessing we pray to save us from the Yetzirah, and we should do, Hashem should train us to learn Torah and do mitzvot. The only thing that the two have in common, that we say the same, is save us from a bad person, and from a bad friend. That we also had in, on page 7, in the middle, in the blessing. But the difference is, there we said, help me keep a distance. Here we're saying, save me. Save me from a bad friend. Save me from a, from a chavera. Save us from a wicked person who gossips and who slanders and who's false and treacherous and filled with envy and hatred. A person who's so negative, so filled with negativity. Unfortunately, there's so many people like that just opening the newspapers. They're so filled with hate. They talk about love, but they're so filled with hate. They hate the whole world. They hate this one and they hate that one and they're so obsessed with their hatreds. A person who's filled with love and kindness, is busy and productive, doesn't hate anyone. He's too busy to hate. He has no time to hate. The people who speak of love but are filled with hate, they're constantly hating with every fiber of their being, every bone in their body. They're jealous of this one. They slander this one. They make up fake stories about the other one. They lie. They cheat. They, they, they're filled with bile and they're, they're, they're constantly spewing poison and hatred and negativity. So you ask Hashem, please save me from these people. Save me bidin kosher, from a harsh judgment. And rebalding kosher, from implacable opponents. Sometimes you can have a harsh court case. It's a difficult court case. It's hard to really get to the truth, even if you're right. But it's going to be very hard to establish that. It's not unclear. So it's a very, very harsh court case. Then you have sometimes the court case is not harsh. It's very clear-cut who is right and who is wrong. But the foe, the opponent, the other defendant is implacable. He won't listen. Even when you're 100% right and the judges come out in your favor because it's so clear that you're right, but they're just implacable. They just don't, don't they, they refuse to listen. Save us from these people. Save us from harsh justice. Save us from implacable opponents.
whether he's Jewish or not Jewish. Medin Kasha, harsh justice. It says that where does harsh justice come from? It comes from the sweat of the angels. Because the angels are fiery. The nature of fire is just like when you're overheated, your body is overheated, you sweat. Sweat, you have to rinse off, you have to wash off. Sweat is, is unhealthy. To keep it. If the body is overboiled and overheated, it expels out all the toxins. And that heat, that heat comes the Gehenna, the fire of Gehenna. All the justice, the harsh justice against the wicked. Because in their heat, in their anger, suddenly you get very angry at evil and evil people and wickedness. And therefore, the fire of hell and the the harsh justice it falls on the head of the wicked people. But nevertheless, it's not a good thing. It's not a, a, a positive thing. Because Hashem is kind. Hashem is essentially kind. And harsh justice, even harsh justice against the wicked, it's not a good thing. It's not a healthy thing. Hashem's kindness, Hashem is forgiving, Hashem carries sin. He wipes away the sin. Hashem essentially is kind and merciful. And His approach to everything is also very gentle and merciful and kind. So this idea of harsh justice, even in the service of righteousness, in the service of what's right, to punish the wicked, any punishment, even when it's rightfully so and right, richly deserved, it's far from godliness. It's not an expression of godliness. It's from the sweat of the angels. It's, it's something external. It's very far from godliness. In godliness, you don't find harsh justice. That's why hell is shut down on Shabbos. Because there's no hell on Shabbos. Shabbos is a, day of God, a godly day. It's a holy day. It's a day of pleasure. There's no hell on Shabbos. That's why we, that's why we try to keep the Shabbos going as long as possible. <laughs> To keep the fires of hell uh, quiet. With some holy Jews who wouldn't make Abdullah till late, late at night. They tried to keep it, uh, keep it shut down. <laughs> so we say, we ask Hashem, save me, midina shal gehenim. So save me from harsh justice. Any harsh justice is no good. Medina shal gehenim and from the retribution of gehenim. Why are we praying for the, save us from the retribution of hell? Hell is in the afterlife. Gehenna is in the afterlife. We're, we're waking up in the morning. We're praying what we need today. This day, this day. So what are we, why are we praying for, for hell? Well, firstly, you have hell on earth. You know, hell is not just in the afterlife. Hell is something that we create. It's a consequence of our actions. You have hell on earth. The word Gehenna comes from the word Gehinnim, the valley of Hinnim, the Hinnim Valley. So the simple meaning is, save me from a sin that will lead me to Gehenna. Save me from the din of Gehenna, the retribution of Gehenna. Save me from a sin that shouldn't lead me to Gehenna. Gehenna is the valley of Hinnah. So the valley represents a very deep place. A person who falls very deeply into sin. Just like it says in Ethics of Our Fathers, the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. When you do one mitzvah, that positive energy generates more positive energy and it leads you to do another mitzvah. 
so too the reward of the sin is the sin itself. When you distance yourself from godliness, you create negative energy, that negative energy leads you to further negative energy, to even more greater negative energy. So you go, become deeper and deeper, you fall, you sink. You sink deeper and deeper, lower and lower, into the valley of hell, into the valley of Geinim, into the valley, to the valley of sin. You go deeper and deeper until you become so attached to it, to sin and negative energy that you can't separate yourself. You become like addicted to it, and you just can't separate yourself. And that's why, as a consequence, you end up in Gehenim. So we ask Hashem, we pray to Hashem, save me from Gehenim, save me from these attachments, from these negative attachments. From, from, from sinking deeply into materialism, into coarseness and crassness and arrogance and ego and, and, and my life shouldn't be all about money, power and fame and save me and on the contrary, I should be more attached and more connected to holiness and godliness and wholesomeness. So we ask Hashem, save me. It could be like a walking hell, a living hell. Just because a person is blessed financially and physically blessed, his life can be a living hell. Hell and heaven are constantly with us. The Torah says, when Yaakov walked in to receive the blessings, Yitzchak was blind, but he smelled the aroma of Gan Eden. When, when Esav walked in, even though Yitzchak was blind, he smelled the hell. Because we carry an aura around us. Everything that we do is marked in that aura. We leave an impression. All that we think of and all that we speak and everything that we do. So we create the hell and we create the heaven. It's with us. We, it walks around with us. So save me, Hashem, from Medina Shal Gehenim. And the pun, its punishment is not just a punishment. It's a consequence. You create a negative energy that leads to suddenly bad things happening in your life. Even illness. A person is healthy, robust, and healthy, spiritually healthy and robust. Then you will also feel physically healthy and robust. If your life is meaningful, your life is connected, and you're, you're growing from strength to strength, and you're moral, and you're ethical, and you're wholesome, and you're studying Torah, and doing mitzvot, and doing kindness, you will physically feel alive, and healthy, and energized, if, God forbid, you live a life where you're doing battle, you're conflicting with your core and essence, you're succumbing to your Yetzirah, to your baser instincts, instant gratification, and there's nothing higher in your life, and you're going against your essence. Every time you sin, you're really going against your essence. So you're inflicting a wound on yourself. You're harming yourself. You're, you're fighting against yourself, which wears you down. It destroys your immune system and it wears you down. You become worn, anxious, worn down psychologically, emotionally, which ultimately wears you down physically. Because to be healthy, you have to be robust. You have to be strong and, 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 and vibrant. And then you can, you can keep away illnesses and other things. All negativity like a shield that protects you. You're protected. So we create our own hell. So we ask Hashem, save me from the retribution of Gehenna.
This is a very powerful prayer. It's a personal prayer. We say this in the, in the singular, even though all prayers are in the plural. The previous Viratsan on page 7 was in the plural. We say it should be your will before you, our God, and the God of our fathers. You should accustom us to study Torah. You should help us cleave to mitzvah. Because this is part of, the, like the Shmon Esrei, it's part of prayer. All the prayer we say in the plural. This prayer, however, is like the prayer that we say after the, the, the public prayer. It's a personal prayer. It's a private prayer. My own language. It's very personal. So we say it in the singular. Hashem, save me from insolence, from insolent men, and save me from being insolent, and save me, personal. It's a very personal prayer. So what a way to start the morning with these powerful prayers of Yiratzen. And Yiratzen has the power to make it happen. We ask Hashem, even if it's not in the cards, may it be a will, become part of the cards. Mm-hmm.